Welcome to Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. I'm your host, Damali Peterman. On this podcast, we introduce our new season's theme, Resilience. And I, along with the guest co-host, will share how we remain resilient amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. We want to inspire our listeners to continue to break through. Welcome to the show. In this episode of Breakthrough Barriers with Damali, we're over the moon to have guest host Robin H. Williams, who is an award-winning educator, curriculum writer, educational consultant, mentor, teacher, and so much more. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Damali. I am so delighted to have you here today on today's episode. Robin has over 35 years of experience at the elementary and college level and is committed to uplifting and inspiring young people and adults. Robin is active in her community and currently serves as president of the Greater Hudson Valley New York chapter of the Lynx Incorporated. She also serves as the national and regional chair of protocol for Jack and Jill of America Incorporated and curator of the literary salon of the Eastern Area of the Lynx Arts Committee. Robin is also a former president of the North Manhattan Alumni Chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Building partnerships and fund development are just two of Robin's key strengths. She's partnered with the Boys and Girls Club of Mount Vernon, Colgate Bright Smiles, Bright Futures, the New Rochelle White Plains Chapter of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, Kappa League Program, Peekskill Youth Bureau, Theater Young Community Center, White Plains Youth Bureau, the Children's Village, and more to activate programs benefiting underserved youth and their families. She has served as fundraising chair for several organizations, generating funds for scholarships and community outreach programs. Robin, you are amazing. I don't know where you find all the time to do all of these things. <laughs> I have an extra day in the week. <laughs> <laughs> You have an extra day in the week for certain, or maybe there are two of you. I'm not sure. But I always like to tell our listeners how I met the guest co-host. And I'm just delighted to say that Robin is one of the first people that I met. Um, She was introduced to me by a mutual friend. And when I moved to the Hudson Valley, she's one of the first people that welcomed me and my family. And I'm delighted to say that, wow, it's been almost a year but I'm delighted to say that I consider her to be a very dear friend of mine and she feels like family. And I'm delighted to have you on the show today because you are just an amazing, amazing educator. Um, And as everyone could hear, just really deeply involved in the community. And so I really look forward to our conversation focused on the theme of resilience as it relates to conflict and how you or your industry navigated the last 18 or 19 months or so. The goal is to encourage and inspire our listeners to continue to break through. So Robin, you and I will have a comfy and formal and flea, I can't, I can't, I don't know why I have this, this alliteration here, Robin. You and I will have a comfy, informal and free-flowing chat. Our listeners should feel as if they're eavesdropping on a private conversation between two friends. What do you think of that, Robin? I think that sounds awesome. I'm so ready to have this conversation with you, Damali. <laughs> Excellent. So let's dive into it. What do you want people to know about you? Describe yourself in six words. 
Okay, so if I had to describe myself in six words, I would say I'm Robin Williams, the polyglot educator. So that means I'm communicating with people in so many different languages and different cultures. I feel that I am a leader because I have held leadership positions in so many various organizations and I give of my soul time and resources for those um, for those organizations. I would say I'm a confidant to all of my friends and family and to co-workers because I also serve as the union leader for my school. So I listen and have to keep confidence, confidence and confidence for people. I would say I'm creative. And I think a lot of people have always said that about me. I can find a way to make anything that's not right, correct in a very creative way. I would say I'm intuitive because you have to be, you have to be able to think on your feet and pivot in any direction when something is thrown your way. And I would say I'm also very empathetic. I can listen. I can give advice, I can feel your pain, and then I can find ways to help you solve them. So. Oh, I love that, Robin. So from polyglot to creative, to being a confidant, um, to, to, to being empathetic, um, I, I, I think you said leader too, and if you didn't, I wanna throw that word in because you're certainly a leader um, in every organization and, and all throughout the community. And I also love that you started with polyglot because I wanted you to talk a little bit about, you know, living in Brazil and and speaking five different languages and some of the things that you've been able to do, given your ability to communicate across cultures and with different languages. I would say that um, because my mom was from Brazil and my dad was from Barbados and he thought it not robbery when we were young girls, my sister and I, to move us to Brazil to learn my mom's culture, her language, her family, and so forth. And we knew early on that I had a knack for languages because I just absorbed it like a sponge. And that never left me as I went through college. I ended up studying at the Université d'Avignon in Avignon, France. And I studied abroad with in Italy and in Spain. And then I always wanted to be a translator, but God puts you in different directions. And I ended up being a language teacher when I taught in the Bronx. So I was first hired in the buying office at Saks Fifth Avenue because the buyer said, wow, with all those languages, you could travel. But that was for not because I never left the office. And I learned soon that assistant buyers do not travel with the buyer. Just they go on those trips. But it did not prevent me from using my languages and doing so many wonderful things. And it has really, really come in um, handy now that we have so many parents of ELL learners, ENL learners, some people may call them ESL learners, and it's very important because you need to have that comfort zone when you are a teacher working with someone's child, and it always makes them feel comfortable when they are able to communicate with the teacher in their native language. Absolutely, and then I love that you also said, Robin, that you know, you are well-traveled, you spent some time living in Brazil and also studying in France and Italy, among other places. And you and I have that in common being polyglots. And we also have something else in common. Well, 
something that we don't have in common is you have an amazing singing voice and you're an, a phenomenal singer. But within the music department, you and I also have in common the fact that we're both percussionists playing the snare drums back in the day, right? <laughs> bang, bang, boom, boom. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Robin, tell us a little bit more about your industry, where you're located, your description, and how did you get into this field? Because you have so many talent. And so how did you get into this field and why are you in this field? I would say that anyone who goes into education, they're more interested in the intrinsic reward. We know that we're touching a life today that's going to make a difference tomorrow. So when I'm working with students and I'm looking, because I teach little 10-year-olds, I feel that I am pouring into them a vessel where they're going to absorb. And then later in life, they are going to be things that they can come back and tell me how much of an imprint or impact that I had in their life. I always feel of my think of myself as planting seeds to a tree that will blossom later and give shade to so many different people because I had a hand in that. And um, I have been known as a master teacher in my school district. And I have sat on so many different committees. I've been in the new district for 27 years, but I've been teaching overall for 36 years. I can't believe the time is just catching up on me like that. But um, I have mentored new teachers. I trained them and I was able to train someone virtually and they ended up getting a job in my school and the principal attributes my training of her, teaching her how to teach in a virtual environment and then having her become this hybrid, virtual, in-person teacher. So she felt she was well-rounded by the time she was done under my tutelage. And so I, I, I just love what I do and I'm still loving it after all these years. And every year just brings something different. And I like to say that once you were able to pivot in what we had to learn how to do, it, it made us all realize that we are lifelong learners and that we always have to be prepared for the next thing. And that's how I look at myself as a teacher, educator, master teacher, and so forth. And a mentor, as an inspirational, motivational speaker, among other things. I can just see those students in your classroom learning from you and just being ready to not only move on to sixth grade, but to just take on other responsibilities. And I think it was really wonderful timing for the teacher who was able to learn from you how to navigate a classroom in a virtual environment. I mean, wow, that's something you don't learn um, when you're learning how to become a teacher. That's something that came that happened on the spot, on the fly during the past, during the pandemic. And right. you were able to not only to do it, but also mentor someone else during the process. I mean, that's almost like having two classrooms, Robin, at the same time. Um, right. They gave us an out. They said, uh, if you don't want to do this, you don't have to. And I said to her, I'm willing to do it if you are. And everybody marveled because she said she was the only one in her graduate class that had a teacher who was still a cooperative teacher. That's what they call us, um, willing to work with her during the pandemic. Because it was easier to say, never mind, we're going to forego this. 
But we said, let's go ahead and forge ahead. And I think it showed her stick with itness and my willingness to help her do that. So. Absolutely. I mean, I think that it also shows everyone who's listening to this podcast right now, just the type of person that you are. Um, where there was an easy path and there was a path that took you know more work and dedication and you were willing to take that path. So, you know, a lot has happened, I mean, over the last 18 to 20 months. And I'm curious to know what your single biggest challenge in working in education or any of the amazing things that you're involved in, um, you know, what has been that single biggest challenge for you? I would say that it was keeping students engaged and productive during the pandemic was a major challenge. Um, not all the students were able to thrive easily, but you had to make sure that they had check-ins so that they were able to fill out a mood meter to let you know virtually how they were doing. Um, I think some students thrive because you're a, a person who just like wants to keep to yourself. Uh, like an introvert. An introvert, right. If you're an introvert, this was your moment, right? Um, you, they, they like being at home and so forth. But some kids need that connectivity. So I found unique ways um, with our breakout rooms, using jam boards and so forth to make everybody feel that we were all connected in this world, even if we did scavenger hunts on the computer and so forth. But I know that it was taxing, not just on the students, but on the parents and parents working at home, trying to keep a roof over their head, trying to keep their sanity, but still trying to make sure their child was getting online, doing the work, submitting the work because there was accountability. And I had to prepare students for the next level. I always say it's not just the next grade, it's the next experience because they leave and go off to middle school. So I thought that that was a challenge. And um, for someone who's always learning something new, I had to learn a lot of new things, but I was able to make sure that uh, all the work that I used to do that may have been hard copies, how I was able to convert them into digital assessments and so forth using Kami. So then you had to be proficient with Kami. Then sometimes if you are a teacher in a classroom where you had kids come up to the board to write things on the board, you didn't have that, but you could use a Jamboard. And everybody was, it had to be seamless. It had to continue, it couldn't halt. Nothing stopped, nothing was taken off of the plate. And that was a challenge, but we made it happen, so. I'm so happy to hear that, Robin, especially how you navigated this sort of unknown territory of educating 10-year-olds in a virtual environment and how you work through that challenge by figuring out how to do those things digitally. And, you know, as a parent of two small kids, I think that everyone's kind of was kind of focusing on um, what we were experiencing um, and also recognizing, at least in my in my opinion and in my position, the amazing amount of work that the teachers were doing. Because if you have your curriculum set, you're ready to deliver it. And you mentioned that, you know, you've been teaching for 36 years. So you are a pro, you're a master teacher. And I mean, I don't know everything that's happened over the last, you know, 36 years, but I don't think we've ever had school systems shut down throughout the, throughout the United States, at least, and other parts of the world where students were expected to um, 
you know, be educated virtually. Um, and so, you know, identifying how to keep students engaged as your single biggest challenge and you rising to meet that challenge definitely spotlights your resilience. And like that Elton John song, you are still standing. And so I would love for you to share with our audience, where does your resilience come from and how do you tap into it? I always say that it comes from the Lord. Uh, my strength cometh from the Lord. When things go awry, as they sometimes do, I pray, I meditate, I read, and I listen to my gospel music. It always builds up my resistance, my resilience, and then it helps me propel forward. And it lets me know that I can do this no matter what it is. And I told my students that at our moving up ceremony at the end of the year, in you know, when they become 50, 60 years old and they are grandparents, their kids are going to say, you were in school during the pandemic? Like, how did you do that? Like, did you learn? Were you able to communicate? And I said, and you will be the examples. You are the exemplars of how nothing stopped. The learning continued. The students were able to communicate with their teacher, with their with their peers, you were able to turn in. You didn't, you know, it wasn't like I could not take a test. You had to take your test. I, my teacher did reading, um, reading logs with me. Um, I was still able to do one-on-one -on -one with my teacher all through this virtual world. And I always explain to them that this is the best generation for this to have happened because the kids were more advanced than some of the teachers. Like there were times when I was like, oh, how do I make this happen? And they were like, oh, Mrs. Williams, all you have to do, if you click on this and input <laughs> that, then this happens. I'm like, see, you're teaching me. We were learning together. And there were so many new things. I, I feel like last year was my greatest growth as a teacher because I had to learn how to do things because not doing it was not an option. So I think I get my strength from others. I get my strength from my children, from my family, from my students, but it all comes from the Lord. That's phenomenal. And it shows in the work that you do and just listening to you to hear how passionate you are about teaching and even hearing how there are moments, uh, even throughout the pandemic, where you were you were learning from your students as you navigated this together. Was there any mistake that you made that you want to prevent others from making? I would say you can't always control the outcomes. Um, you can plan and prepare and prepare, but you can't control how things turn out. And when things turn out in the opposite way that you had hoped, there's always tomorrow to do it over. You know, okay, this didn't work. We're going to have to do something different tomorrow. The best thing is that you cannot give up. You can't say I can't because there's always another side and there's always another day and there's always a do-over and it's not the end of the world. And I think my students were like, okay, I didn't do so great with that today, but tomorrow it will be better. And I think if we all continue to believe that, I have to believe that myself because, you know, things can go awry. <laughs> As you know, do. <laughs> I love that you said that, Robin, because 
this philosophy about, okay, sometimes things go awry and then trying again or trying the next day is something that is a life skill for not only your students, but for those listening in today, because it's sometimes easy to sort of fixate on something that has already happened in the past that you can't do anything about, but you can do something about what's coming up. And so I like that you said that you can, you may not, you can focus on what you can, what you are doing or what you can do, but you can't control the outcomes. And I, I wanted to make sure I said that again for our listeners, because I think that's just a powerful concept to, to think about. Um, and, you know, you, your mother, your sister, your many things, you're a teacher, you're an adjunct, you're, you're, you're a sister in a variety of different organizations. And it's very clear from this conversation, which is just a delight to have an educator on our podcast, because I think that I'll say it for everyone who's tuning in. I just want to recognize the amazing amount of work you've done during the past 18, 20 months and over the term but your tenure as an as an educator for the last 36 years because I always think that teachers should be the highest paid in our country because the work that you do and if anyone had any doubts about it if they had to be home virtually with children trying to navigate it it's not something that everyone can do especially at the level that you're doing it and so I just want to commend you and thank you for the amazing work that you've done and that you continue to do to uh, ensure that you know, our children are our future, to borrow from a a famous song. Um, And I want to end with this quote from my, like, it's not from my mom, but my mom used to always say to us, each one teach one. And so I would love to end with asking you to suggest a book, song, course, program, or something for our listeners. Well, just remember that Children are 50% of our past, but 100% of our future. And I want us to remember to be a movement, not a monument. Don't just sit idle and have others look at you. Be a movement so that others will follow you. No matter who your audience is, be someone others can emulate and admire. And if you could do that for children, then our future is pretty safe in their hands. resilient. (laughs) What wonderful parting words, Robin. I really appreciate you sharing that and also ending with stay resilient. I would like to thank you for joining us today, Robin. Oh, thank you. Tamali, thank you so much for having me. And I know that you have a lot of people in the corporate um, corporate world, but it is so nice to be able to have an educator speak and understand that we are creating the future corporate people. So the foundation has to be strong so that you can build on there. It all starts with the building blocks. It absolutely does. And I think that this is, I mean, having you on the show and having everyone to kind of hear about your journey and your path and your devotion to our children is just, again, such an inspiration. And so I just, again, thank you so much for being here today. I want to thank our audience for tuning in. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Breakthrough ADR. That's the at sign, B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H, capital A, capital D, capital R. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. 
Although I am a lawyer, mediator, and an educator, and many of my co-hosts will represent various professions, we want to be clear that we are not providing legal advice, counseling, or suggestions. Our goal is to provide a roadmap for conflict resolution to generate future conflict resolvers. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day.